Hey, storytellers. If you like the show, you can find Life Narrated on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever streaming service you use. It really helps others find the podcast and validates our existence. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We are gathered here today. Oh, hi, guys. In the the absence of Matt. No, Matt. Proudly meeting in secret for the second time for Potter Watch. Potter Watch. Potter Watch. So excited. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Emily, and I am a humble goat herd with tremendous power. My name is Lauren, and I chose the vampire life. It didn't choose me. And I'm Kate, a magic black hole with the face of a child. And today we're going to be talking about Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. Actually, I'm going to start talking in a normal voice because Matt is not here and we're doing this Actually, yeah. in, I'm in pandemic a times. I mean. There's no way he's going to catch us. So, um, yeah, <laughs> we, we, I asked you guys to read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. Um, and I, I have to now explain um, why. And then, for, and then for once we actually did You did, it. and I'm so excited. So basically... Uh, Carry On has a weird origin story. There's a book called Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. And in it, the story focuses on a girl named Kath. Cather? Kath? And she is a... She writes fan fiction for basically Harry Potter. But in the story, it's not... It's like a Harry Potter adjacent. And she writes slash fan fiction of like a Harry Draco situation. (laughs) And throughout the book, there are, like, passages of this Harry Draco fan fiction, but it's it's Simon and Baz. And then um, when the book came out, everyone just, like, loved the fan fiction so much that they asked her to actually write this fan fiction. Not the story that the fan fiction was based on, but the fan fiction itself. <laughs> and... Uh, and she did, and it's so good, and it's it so is. weirdly good. So, um... Yeah, that and so I thought we should read it and talk about it, basically. Uh, and maybe we can just start uh, with first impressions of it, maybe? I think I was immediately pulled in by Rainbow's style of writing. Because mm-hmm. it's so, like, easy and conversational and really funny. Yeah. Throughout the whole thing, it's just, like, very tongue-in-cheek. So I appreciated how yeah, there's obviously parallels to like harry potter like that's clearly what the inspiration was however she also still somehow gets the characters unique she's playing on the chosen one motif but it's still like unique and she gets to tell this really like fun story with really thoughtful fleshed out characters even if they're like paralleling this other like really well-known universe which I feel like is very, ta- like, not tactful. What's the word? It walks a fine line, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's so, she's very good. That's, I think that's why I enjoyed it and so much. I was about to say that she's, like, surgical in her writing, but that's not really yes. the case. Yeah. Because it's, like, organic and, and flowy, but it's also, like, it it portrays a specific thing and she walks a very delicate line. Like, Fangirl itself is, like, I was telling you guys, it's like a 
picture, a postcard from 2006. Like, it's just like a very specific time frame and a very specific, you know, situation. Um, and so I think that she just like really, she's a precision writer in her characterization and in her time and location, but not necessarily in the rest of it. It's very organic. Yeah, well, it's just very, I like the fact that, right, if it's sort of based on the HP universe, but it's also, like, first person and very much in that, like, angsty teen stream of consciousness kind of way that's, like, very, yeah, like, very punk, <laughs> but, like, very appropriately, like, teen and, like, the feelings that you get. And, yeah, very organic in that way. Like, things change constantly, but also, like, there are these themes that run through that, like, everybody's thinking of the entire way through so yeah oh and i also really like books that change perspective yeah i kind of wish that we got like you know more of hermione just talking about how she feels about the boys <laughs> right and we get that in this book a little bit yeah that's true and it's i nice. i appreciate that they they have like a hermione this is kind of like how she's kind of fixed some things that were wrong with the Harry Potter universe. Like there's a lot more people of color in this book. Yeah. Um, there is a lot more, you know, queerness, which is great. And like they there's like comments on on things that are po that are often commented on in the Harry Potter universe. It's like commented in this book. Um, yeah. I guess we can get into some some things uh, like let's start with the main character, Simon Snow, one thing that really struck me about him is that he is clearly of a lower class than the rest of the characters. And I think that's really something that was not addressed in Harry Potter at all is the class situation with the wizards. Like they all seem to be mostly on the same class except for the Weasleys, which everyone, you know, just they harp on how poor they are. He literally says, I hate being poor. <laughs> Yeah. So, but oh, it doesn't seem God. to affect them in any other way except that they don't yeah. have resources. It's not like people were refused to hang out with them except for the Malfoys, which they wouldn't hang out with them anyway. So, it's also weird too, I think, because I mean, other than Molly choosing to be like a stay-at-home mom, like are they poor because they have so many children? Because Arthur works at the ministry. Right. Like, so yeah. are they not paying him well? He's like director right. of, of whatever. And they can do fucking magic. So, yeah. like, it's not like they really want for things, right? Like, yeah. that's why I kind of got confused about, like, the Weasleys' economic status. And why I guess maybe she doesn't really talk about it. Because that's, right, like, an obvious, like, hole in it where it's like, well, they don't even necessarily need to make money, per se. Yeah. They could just make their clothes look nicer. Yeah. With yeah. magic. Or, like, you have, like, five kids who all need the same five Lockhart books. Like, couldn't you just buy one of each and then, like, Geminio them and, like, yeah. each of your kids now has a book? Like, why do you need to buy five separate books for five separate kids? Like, it... It seems like it's purposefully not addressed because she wants them to be poor. That's part of the story. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I that's get the, okay. And but... I get the feeling that part of the reason that they're poor, I mean, obviously this isn't like directly approached in any way in the books, but like the part of the reason that they're poor is that like they are blood traders. And so they've probably been written out of like all of their relatives' wills. Oh, I didn't ever thought of that. 
that so way. it's like oh we really did have to strike it out on our own and like yeah arthur makes a decent salary but we're still like way more poor than everybody else that we are related to because we don't have that old money just they don't have the generational somewhere. wealth that yeah. other people do yeah yeah but i mean in the in in carry on uh Simon Snow has like a, an accent, like even in I listened to the audiobook in the I audio, did too. yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the audiobook he has like a noticeable like he says like they call him a chav, which is uh you know British slang for like um I don't know what the American equivalent would be like uh like a hillbilly, not like a hillbilly like that, but like in the city, um, yeah, like oh, a okay. like a like a street rat or something or like a yeah. Yeah, yeah, just like I a, don't buy that. Yeah, yes. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yeah, and so he's like, uh, uh, there's one comment about his chav friends or something. I'm gonna not gonna hang out with your chav friends or something. And I was like, oh, so we're like, we're doing this. Yeah, we're doing this class shit. Yeah, okay. Because the rest Throwing of the characters, class trash. Less of the kids that go to that school, because in this in this world, there is no like muggles who become wizards. It's all like everyone who is a wizard has been a wizard forever. Yeah. And then in the story, the Albus Dumbledore like analog has opened up the school to other people who may have magic, including Simon Snow, who is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, and mysterious. <laughs> yes. Ooh. But the only wizard to never come, to come from the normal world. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so we have a Harry Potter situation where he's in this new world and he's like, what is happening? And he's he's famous in that he is very powerful and also the only uh, normal to come into this world and also is now the Albus Dumbledore's an analog son. What is his name? The heir. The, the heir of the mage. The mage. The, the mage. is like yeah. the Albus the Dumbledore. Davey. Um, analog. His actual name's Davy. Davy. Davy the mage. So, yeah. Davy the mage. Well, yeah. So, of course, we learned throughout the book that, of course, Simon isn't normal. Like, he was never normal and was actually um, The son of the mage. Yeah. Son of the mage. Conceived all Rosemary's baby style. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Uh, Just as a quick pause here, because we are going to ruin this for you. So, if you haven't read it, pause it here and go read it. Actually, Emily, you might need to put in a spoiler alert. Like, you might need to cut one in. Because... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we did just drop a spoiler Literally, before like, I said boom. that. <laughs> yeah. So, spoilers. Hey, by the way, Lauren. Spoilers are coming. Um, hey, okay. I live this life. <laughs> I, what am I trying to say here? You live on the I edge. Live like there's, I, I live like there's no spoilers for tomorrow. Okay. I don't okay. know. Okay. <laughs> uh, eh. I, I do want to talk about, before we can come back to Simon Snow towards the end when we talk about the plot, but um, the the mage is quite an interesting character because he is definitely the Albus Dumbledore analog, but mm-hmm. it's like you you are looking at Albus's actions in a really negative light, which you can definitely yeah. in the actual book. And I feel sure. like he's Albus and like Grindelwald rolled into one. Yes, yes, because mm-hmm. he's taking pretty drastic actions for this new world that he really wants. And yeah. sometimes that involves raiding rivals' homes for, like, magical items or, like, imprisoning people for... Does he ever imprison somebody for no reason? Or for, like, political Elvis reasons? Or the mage? The mage. I think so, but I can't exactly recall He's got is. He's got, like, a whole Hitler youth situation going on. Yeah. Like, a, 
they even mentioned like a sound of music uh situation where the son is like his devoted um you know oh yeah showing up in my house all rolf yeah, yeah. <laughs> from yeah. sound of music and he goes to his own parents yeah. house and he's like this is for your own good you have nothing to hide if you had nothing to hide it's fine that we search and etc so yep i almost this is penny penny's brother right it's like drinking the mage juice yeah yeah i almost feel like he's like albus if albus had never met grindelwald or not maybe not met grindelwald but like if there had never been the sh- showdown if there had never been them. the lesson that he learned from the showdown yes yeah yeah. Think, yeah like if he didn't get that so young in life he might have yeah sort of been like yeah for the greater good right totally yeah, guess. it's for the greater Forever. good and like literally this the mage is like on his way to being a fascist dictator he even like dresses in in like a yeah like a uniform yeah oh he sounds like such an asshole yeah like just like talking about appearance wise like yeah because they talk about like his gross like mustache thing (laughs) he has going on wait what did they say about that i can't remember oh that he has like this thin little mustache and and then he wears like the cloak so everybody calls him you know talking about like a Robin Hood thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And he wears a sword. Yeah. Yeah, he's the head of the coven, and he's, like, accumulated all of these accoutrements that he just wears on his body, and, like, <laughs> all the time, even though everybody knows who he is and he doesn't need to. That's true, yeah. It's just, like, all the trappings, all the time, bring it on. Well, let's, uh, we should go through the, like, plot. So, basically, we have Simon Snow, and we come into this this plot when he is in the seventh year i think or eighth year it's his last it's his last year year. yeah as you're going through this story like they talk about shit that had happened before and just like wild stories of like that one time we were trapped by trolls and that one time this happened and or like i killed that dragon yeah yeah Yeah. i killed that dragon a long time ago but what you find out is that like like in harry potter Simon Snow doesn't know how to do magic. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think was the the funniest read in the whole book is just that the main the main chosen one just like cannot fucking get it together to do magic. Yeah. And you find out why later, but like it's just it's really funny. He has like a wand, which everyone has a wand. And that but he constantly is like leaving it yeah. behind Places, or like yeah. in his, yeah, it's like he either leaves it behind completely. So it's like, oh, it's back in the dorm or he's like, oh, well, it was in my gym bag. So I just <laughs> use my sword so, because yeah. yeah, reaching in my bag to pull up my wand, you know, no, oh, that would take too long. And that's how yeah. he solves his problems is usually with the sword as opposed to like magic because we find out that he goes off is what they say. He like ex- yeah. basically explodes and like wild shit happens. Um, and he's there- an Oculus or whatever. Oh, that's thing right. Was. What is that thing called? Yeah. The thing that credence was. Yeah. And, uh, um, but yeah, just like, yeah, unable to control it. Doesn't really know how to use it. Had some traumatic event in the past and like now is just sort of like this source of uncontrollable magic that just bursts out of you at any given time. And Obscurus? Obscurus! That's what it is. Thank you, Lauren. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, and then he is also roommates with basically the Draco Malfoy analog whose name is uh, he's he's a long name, but we're calling him Baz. Baz. Because it's like something Sebastian. It's like Tyranus Basilton Grim Pitch. Yes. His last name is Pitch, which is the like family name grim pitch both of those are family names um yeah and he's like he's a fancy dude 
Um, he's a fancy lad. He's a fancy he's lad. A fancy he's, lad. He's very fresh, and he also uh, they room together. And there's like mm-hmm. a this should have been in Harry Potter. I I love the roommate pact <laughs> the or the like pact. roommates. Yes, where oh, you oh cannot my God. hurt your roommate or else you get yeah. like. So instead of a so instead of a sorting hat, there's a cauldron, and what happens is the cauldron um, puts you with your roommate. So it it basically is like almost like drawing lots. So the cauldron decides who rooms together, and then but that's the person that you room with for all your whole time. Yeah. So there's no houses. There's not like any kind of dorm. Well, there's a girls' dorm and a guys' dorm, but there's no like special dormitories. It's like here's the guys' dorm and here's your roommate. And then I guess because it is just like a random choosing, the rooms are all enchanted. And I forget what the spell is, but it's like you cannot harm or like you cannot intentionally or maliciously cause harm to your roommate while you are inside the dorm. Yeah. And I just I loved how she's like, oh, yeah, you get little warnings your first two years. Then after that, the room will literally eject you off of like the campus, the campus. and you're, and you're expelled. just expelled forever yeah that's it yeah <laughs> which is it's such a good idea and like it a is good way to so good keep track of young wizards who like have hormones all over and like hate each other i don't know oh my god yeah but um they hate each other and the first like good chunk of the book is him like wondering where where Baz is because Baz hasn't returned to school that year and he's just like where is he what is he doing I you know he's like plotting somewhere and he's just like obsessed with it and in his mind it's like he's he's uh Baz's villainous and Baz's whatever he's totally a vampire and he's gonna kill me and then everybody's like well have you seen him drink blood and you're like (laughs) no like no but 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 he's through his roommate you would have seen him do and that was a really interesting thing, too, that as we go through this story. Yeah. But, yeah, this emphasis on him being a vampire and everybody, like, just kind of dismissing that. And I was just kind of like, okay, interesting. So there's something here with that. When, um, when they first start talking about it, you're like, oh, they're just, like, being shitty, basically, to this yeah, guy. Right. Like, they hate this guy. He's a vampire. He's a vampire. Okay. But, like, yeah. later on, you're like, wait, no, he he is a vampire? <laughs> Because as Kinda we like find, Twilight. yeah, as we find out, his his mother used to be the headmistress of the school, and the school was attacked, mm-hmm. and a vampire attacked the nursery where all the kids were, including him when he was a baby. Talk about Baz. Baz when he was a baby, and so the the story is that none of the babies were hurt, but everyone suspects that Baz is actually a vampire because he was bitten at that point. Um, but no one can prove it, and no which one... is true. Yes, it does turn out to be true. Um, but he he has somehow successfully fooled everyone into thinking that he is not a vampire, except everyone secretly knows that he is a vampire. And it, it did a good job, I think, of um, well, not really. I was going <laughs> to say kind of like changing up the vampire lore, but not really. She just made it so that he can walk around in daylight and also eat like people food. Which are two things that obviously, like, if he couldn't do those things, would, like, be really, like, Obvious. red flags. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. okay, so he can't go out in sunlight. He doesn't eat people food. Yeah. <laughs> but he can also eat, like, he can, like, I mean, maybe not thrive. He always seems, like, sickly. But, like, he can eat animals. Like, he can suck the blood of animals to survive. He doesn't, he does not require 
human blood. Yeah. Just blood. In fact, just he's blood. never eaten a human, I think, is what yeah. they, they yeah. go with. But um, we find out when he gets back to school that, one, he was kidnapped by by creature. They call them numpties, which is like a thing you call in England. It's a thing you call somebody that's like kind of dumb. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you numpty. So, Henchmen. Yeah, they're they're like dumb creatures. They're, they look like rocks. Um, so he's been kidnapped by these creatures who he should have been able to defeat. And right. he um, was kept in a coffin and they gave him blood. But it's like, it was... <laughs> like a big And nothing gulp. else, yeah. And, like, and nothing else. And so he finally gets free of them and is like recuperating and then goes back to school. So you find out, one, that he's been kidnapped, and two, that he's gay, and three, that he's super in love with Simon Snow, <laughs> but yes. also kind of hates him, which is the best. It's just the internalized, you know... Vampire uh, homophobia. Vampire homophobia, exactly. Yeah, vampire homophobia. <laughs> he can't be who he wants, he can't be himself. Although, it's really also, uh, I love, before we go too far past the his kidnapping... You also learn that he has like um, a Bellatrix kind of aunt. Aunt, yeah. Yes. But she's so much better than Bellatrix. She she's is. actually like a kick-ass aunt named Fiona. Yeah. And she actually like really loves Baz a lot. Um, and she's great because like like Bellatrix is just such a like monolithic, scary, sh- you know, crazy person. And there's like yeah. no rhyme or reason to what she does. She's just like she's a super fan, I guess. She's she's into. Oh, she's got like antisocial personality disorder. She's just like yeah, but then that level of like she's a hundred percent that bitch. She is she's that, 100% bitch. that bitch. Yeah. yeah, she's just that, and that's all she is. That's all she is. But the <laughs> but Simon's or Baz's aunt is like she's a badass. She's also like rebellious, yeah, super smart to her family, and she also yeah. like but she really believes in this like you know, pure blood situation that they're, that they're promoting yeah, that's, here. That's not great. Yeah. She's, <laughs> there's several moments where Baz is like, ugh, this is so you. When she sees like, you know, he'll, he'll see like pictures of her wearing like, you know, cure t-shirts <laughs> or whatever she was wearing, but she's actually really good at magic. Yeah. And he talks about like, I wouldn't have survived if she hadn't have found me. And she like, yeah basically created this um intense like binding spell like she did all the cobbled together this thing so she could find him so she's really good at magic also how have we not talked about the mag like the magical construct like how they use magic oh my god yes how have we not talked about that yeah we have to talk about that right now (sighs) yeah it's it's not yeah it is it's like lyrics and cliches but also just what you want to happen and if you have enough magic and you have the intent behind it, then it then it works. I like I like the fact that if something is repeated enough, it becomes a spell, which is kind of like true just in a general sense. Like, yeah, it, it, yes. if you say something yes. enough, it does come true. Like, you know, you speak it into existence. But things like nursery rhymes, they talk about nursery rhymes being the most powerful magic because everybody knows them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I love the, um, uh, the, the Make-A-Wish. Yep is the spell that you cast if you want to, like, blow out fire. Oh, yeah. Like, little things like that. Um, what are some of the other ones? Yeah. So, yeah. So, Make the, a wish. Yeah, so the whole, like, magical yeah. system of this story is, like, so it's not, like, in Harry Potter and a lot of other books where it's, like, based on some arcane 
language. So like Harry Potter is very obviously like not exactly, but yeah, it's like based on Latin. So a lot of times like, oh, you're Latin you're saying the word, like you're saying levitate or rise up or whatever, but just in this other language. In this book, right, like Emily was saying, you're using like nursery rhymes or Kate, you're saying like lyrics to songs or just like cliches or catchphrases. I looked up a I looked up a list and like yeah. things like a little bird told me is a way to send yes. messages through birds. A place for everything and everything in its place is a way yeah. to put things away. Like these are things that people say over and over again. April showers will bring wilting flowers back to life. Um some some like it hot, like heats up the the casserole yep. or Good whatever. Oh yeah, that's right. Some like it hot. That was funny. Or you, you learn that Simon and Penny, who's his like hetero life mate, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just Hermione. Uh, they get ca- kidnapped by the big bad, not unlike Harry and Cedric getting kidnapped by Voldemort in the fourth year, swept away um, by Voldemort. Yeah, and to escape that, Simon makes himself grow wings and so she uses oh, yeah. the spell nonsense which she was like it's usually used as like basically like a disenchantment so like if a child is like really scared or startled or something and they, um, they do something with their magic that is like a, a, over the top basically right yeah like, like they do something nonsense. that they weren't intending to yeah it's like how you erase it or like that was a really yeah. cool yeah. one i think yeah but then, like, this thing happened and, I, like, I don't know what's going on. It's like, oh, nonsense. Yeah. Like, that's how you would say it. You know, just like, nonsense. nonsense. And boom, yeah. It's, yeah. it's done. So dismissive and just like, yeah. ugh. Um, and how powerful that is when you're the person who's, like, freaking out, right? So there's just so many, like, really great. Um, I mean, like, yeah, Emily, read more from the list. Yeah, I was going to say, there's one fine-tooth comb they use a couple times. Yes. Which is, like, the control F of the wizard, the mage world, basically, trying to find yeah. something. <laughs> one is Ixnay on the Atford Way. And the school that they go to is called Watford. Uh, like, it's Hogwarts, Watford. So Ixnay on the Otford Way is, like, this is a spell that one of the parents casts on one of the kids because she was talking to her friends about Watford. And so he cast it on her so she can never speak about it. And it's like a super serious spell. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because we didn't touch on it, but this is the other kind of one of the major, one of the major differences um, in the way she set up her universe is that um, the magical, like, witches and wizards aren't separated out of, like, mainstream society. So it's not like... And, like, they all have laptops in, in the story, they all, have, they all have cell phones yeah. that they use when yeah. they're at home, and I think there's a spell that where you can like you can say that and it keep it oh, prevents cool. you from being able to track a call or something like on a cell phone. Yeah, but yeah, they all have they all have the technology. Yeah. There's two characters that we haven't mentioned yet, and one is Penny, who is like the Hermione, uh, and one is what is her name? His girlfriend, Al- Agatha. Agatha. And so Agatha, I think, is a really interesting character because yes. she is not fucking here for this. Like, she is just, like, she's not the, my favorite character, but also, <laughs> like, she is what she is. She's not here for any of these shenanigans. She doesn't like to be kidnapped. She doesn't like to be involved in these schemes. She just wants, she actually just wants to go back to her, like, non-magical life and, like, with her non-magical friends. And she doesn't like any of these shenanigans yeah. that she gets into. But she also kind of is like 
Well, she she does have an arc somewhat through the story, but yeah, she's definitely like, she's like, ugh, I'm really like not into this, like you're saying. But she, up until the point when we jump into their story, she's kind of accepted that like, well, because she's dating Simon, she's yeah. dating the chosen one, and this is you know like what everybody expects of right. her, and so she's like, well, I guess I just stand by his side and go do and then get kidnapped or whatever so to up until we meet her she's just kind of accepted that this is what is gonna be her like lot in life yeah she kind of is like one of those people who who decides that they're gonna be a trophy wife but she just doesn't want to be a trophy wife like she's gonna be a kidnap victim her whole life basically and she's she's like trying to accept that (laughs) yeah and when we meet her first basically the way the last year ended was they had a big confrontation with the big bad, and uh, at the end of it, I don't can't remember the sequence of events, but basically Simon and Penny saw her kissing Baz, which is Simon's. Oh family. no, they weren't kissing; they were holding hands. They were holding hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they were holding yes, hands in the, forest, in the forest, and yeah, and then that's when Penny grabbed his hand or his arm or something, and then like at that moment, the big bad, whose name is. The humdrum. The humdrum, yeah. The insidious humdrum. Uh, summoned. He summoned Simon, which means basically apparated him um, against his will. Right. And Penny, because she was holding his arm, yeah. got taken with him. Yeah, that's another thing that's interesting about Simon Snow is that he doesn't have any relatives. He doesn't have an Aunt Petunia. He is in foster care the whole time. So every time he leaves yeah. school, he goes to a new foster care situation which sounds awful like honestly and why people and why everyone's like very adamant that he's a normal and penny brings this up and it's because magic is so rare like like you uh, somebody was saying at the beginning where it's like magic is only passed down through magical families and yes you can like you could date a non-magical person but then that's kind of where your magic dies like your children will be magical or whatever so magical families don't like give up their children there's really no such thing as like a magical orphan yeah yeah so agatha is an only child because her parents kind of buy into this superstition that if you have more than one child you'll dilute that child's magic which is is it seems like it's just a superstition but like Mm -hmm. a lot of magicing families only have one kid because of that I just I find I find Agatha a really unique character in all of this, even though she she at some points you're like, get it together, Agatha. <laughs> but like she is she's very much like, what is happening here? Like, why is this happening? <laughs> why? 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 <laughs> That's like her. She reminds me not literally of like Lois Lane, but just. Um, oh no! What was that movie that was like the whole spoof, Mega Mind? Right, yeah, a kids movie. But there's like the character that was a good movie. Yeah, it's like I forgot her name, but she's like the Lois Lane character, and she's basically like, no, no, it's okay, and she like puts the bag over her own head. <laughs> yeah, because she's, she's like so used to being kidnapped that she's like, and she's like giving I comments about about the kidnapping. Like it was really smooth this time. That was a good. That was a good one. Yeah. yeah. You, you totally caught me off guard <laughs> up until, you Good know. Good for you. And that's kind of where Agatha's at, where she's kind of resents the fact that she has to separate her quote-unquote normal life from her magical life. When she goes to Wagstaff, that's like, she doesn't really have any other friends besides Simon and Penny because she's like, well, like, I don't really want to hang out with anybody. Yeah. Uh, 
because I just get kidnapped all the and time. Just get or kidnapped get, and they'll get kidnapped. Or, and Right. Or like sent out on some weird like adventure that I don't really want to be a part of. So like <laughs> what's the point of really making friends? And she is the voice of reason at some point where she's like, why are we responsible for this? We are children. We are 17 years old. Yeah. Like, can we get some adults in this situation? And she, unfortunately, she goes to the adults at the exact wrong time, you know, but. Yeah. Um, she goes to the wrong adults. She goes to That's the wrong the adults. Yeah. yeah. Her parents are totally like baby's parents from Dirty Dancing. Yeah. They're just like. You know, oh, we have to, like, go to the club and don't embarrass us, darling. And so she's she's forced to play out these kind of assigned roles. Yeah. And then on the other side of that, you have Penny, who's, like, she's Hermione. Yeah. She's incredibly talented. But Penny's also, I mean, and she is. She's also Indian, she, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. She's. She is logical and rational, but only to a point because she's super stubborn and she wants to be right. Yeah. Yes. So you see her kind of going down the barrel of the gun. I like I like Penny a lot because not only is she she has flaws, like she's very smart, but she has flaws, and she also is like incredibly loyal to Simon, and also like just she's a down bitch. She's like down for whatever is happening. Like oh, all right, let's go. Like yeah. uh, the insidious humdrum has kidnapped us again. We got to figure out why. Like she's just like, well, of course I'm gonna do that. Like of course we're gonna figure out this mystery. What else are we gonna do with our time? Like go to class? Fuck you. Yeah, you're the chosen one. You don't need to go to class. <laughs> if you haven't figured out how to use magic in eight years, it's not gonna happen. So we <laughs> might as well spend our time on this. She basically <laughs> says that to him. Like. You're you're never gonna learn how to do this, Simon. Yeah. So why would we go to class? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Lauren. Please continue. Oh no, I mean, but she like I think it's it's never really addressed, but it's like she like genuinely loves him, like platonically. Yeah. So it's it's a, it is I I do appreciate that that was kind of preserved because I do think that Hermione should not have gotten with Ron at the end, but. I- I'm just going to let that sit there. I'm going to let that hang I, in the air. I disagree. Yeah. But, yeah. but. We don't have to fight about it. No. This, this idea, though, that you can, re- like, okay, that one, people of, like, different genders can love each other. Yeah, and be perfectly platonic. Yeah. Yeah, like, genuinely love one another and care really deeply about each other. Um, and to the point, like, Agatha, of course, has had a couple of moments of, like, jealousy throughout the years they've been together. Yeah. And then, um, and then this, because her and Simon break up, like, Agatha finally kind of is like, this isn't what I want. Um. Good for you, Agatha. She says something about, like, I'm not your, yeah, she's like, I'm not your girl, Penny's your girl. Like. Yeah. And I I don't even think she means, like, in a relationship way, but just, like, that's the person you care the most about. Yeah. And I, I like that. Um, they also like, this is a really obvious moment where Penny and Agatha are hanging out without Simon and Agatha's a little like weirded out by it. And Penny's mom is like, I'm so glad when you have relationships that pass, pass the Bechdel test or something yeah. like that, <laughs> which is like, oh cause Harry Potter doesn't pass the Bechdel no. test to be clear. <laughs> yeah. So I, I liked that they had a relationship outside of Simon that was meaningful and interesting. Like, yeah. and also Penny continuously was like, you know, we're not dating. Like, him and I are not romantic. And Agatha knew that. It's just like yeah. the, 
the attention deficit that she was experiencing because of Penny was yeah. the problem. Yeah. And she's not Cho Chang. She's not like just a jealous girl that's like, oh, I'm into this kid because he is the chosen one. He's hot and school. Um, and now my boyfriend died, so I've got to have somebody else, right? Yeah, um, right. She's not, yeah. She's more, yeah, far more like her own person and get, gets it. Like, yeah. isn't just like the vapid girlfriend who has no clue. Yeah. And I, I like that um, basically Penny and Simon were planning to like get a house together after school, which I thought was really cute. Like they yeah. just like live in London together and yeah. have a flat. I think that's what they end up doing too, right? Um, I understand that basically book two is like a road trip book a- across the U.S. That is right. what I understand. I don't know anything else about it, but I'm like, I am here for this. It's Baz and Simon and possibly Penny. I don't know if she's in it. I think it's Penny because Penny's boyfriend. So that's the other thing is like Penny has a boyfriend named Micah who is like, it would be very easy to be like, oh, no, he's make believe. But yeah. you learn that she actually did go to America and visit him. Over the summer. Um, so I think that's She's how they end up there. She's in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> George Glass. I think also that this is another comment on Harry Potter in that there are no, I mean, other than like Bobaton and Durmstrang, there, there's no even talking about other witches or wizards. Like, yeah. there's no talking about American whatever it was until like later on, until the what are they called? Magical beasts and where to find them. Like there's a whole magical school that is apparently very like prominent in America. And it's never even mentioned in all seven books, which obviously it's a work of, you know, fiction, but I'm just saying like, there was no like, Oh, I have a boyfriend in America or I met this person at summer camp and they are in wherever, you know, magical horseback riding summer camp. Yeah. (laughs) In America. In America. In In Kentucky. Okay, jumping back in on the plot. Yes. We left off at uh, when Baz came back to school, and then we talked about Penny and Agatha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Baz Baz gets back to school, and Simon's totally like, what were you doing away from... Like, now that that Baz is back at school, he's like, his new mission is to figure out why he was gone. So, like, before it was like, where could he be? And now it's like, why Why is he gone? gone? Yeah. Baz is being, like, really hush-hush about it, and I think part of it is because of a little bit of embarrassment, right? Like, you got the idea that it was, like... Embarrassing for him to be kidnapped by numpties. Yeah. But then also part of it is, so, consistently throughout the story, there's talk of, like, these three wars. So there's the insidious humdrum, Mm -hmm. we didn't really talk about, but, like, The Insidious Humdrum kind of just showed up and like what it does is it sucks the magic out of like a place of the place. And so any magical beings who are near it also they talk about that feeling of sucking. So it's like he's sucking the life out of you, sucking the magic from you. And you don't really understand that until much later in the book. Like, it's just this big bad that they talk about for, like, a good half of the book, maybe two-thirds of the book. Yeah. Yeah. But there's there's yeah. what the humdrum is doing, and the humdrum will also basically puts creatures, like, dark creatures under its thrall and sends them to attack Simon. So, so you have the humdrum threat, then you have kind of this second war which is the dark creatures so we're talking about like vampires or um 
the yeah the giants, like just, or, just anything that yeah, kind of has an not, yeah. ill motive um and then you have this third war which is kind of the mage his new order if you will versus the old families yeah. who kind of want things to be as they were mm-hmm. so you have these three things going yeah. on and throughout the story simon and baz as well are kind of constantly like you know the war because the war they're on like opposite sides of this war right because baz right. is the child of one of these fancy families and um simon is has been proclaimed the heir of the mage um and so he's he's on the mage's side even like to the very end is is pretty pro mage even though he's doing some sketchy shit and he gets and poor simon like you can see how throughout the story he becomes more conflicted but he can't quite reconcile it and so i think he literally tells i can't remember if it's penny or baz or maybe he tells them both at some point but just like I wish you wouldn't. You know, like, they're kind of, like, questioning the mage's motives or questioning the mage, like, outright as being, like, a jackass. And he and Simon's just kind of, like, uh, and it feels like a child of divorce. Yes. Like, one parent, like, well, if your yeah. father would stop raiding my house for magical artifacts. And he's, like, I'm sure it's for a good reason. Yeah. You know, and he's, like, trying really hard and I think to justify the mage. What I like about this, too, is that, like, Simon is not really that bright like he's not (laughs) he's not super bright his friend penny is super bright and baz is super bright and they actually end up getting along really well together uh, because they're (laughs) both like super smart and flying off at a mile a minute but he is like he's like a true gryffindor i guess he is like pure of heart and he has a really high emotional intelligence like towards the Mm. end you get more of that from him but um yeah, he's not just a blockhead, but you're right. His strength really lies in his like his like sense of morality and and being able to sense other people's like he's not liter- I'm not trying to say he's like literally sensing their emotions like an empath, you know, he's no he's no <laughs> Troy. <laughs> he's no chief emotional officer. <laughs> but no. But there are several moments and again, going back to Rainbow's like amazing writing. Um, you know, where he, he calls people out and kind of pulls them out of their head and is like, Hey, you, whatever you're thinking, don't. And because she jumps perspective, we know as the reader exactly what they're thinking. So then to have Simon say, Hey, don't think that you as the reader kind of go like, yeah, man, don't, don't think that Simon's right. You shouldn't (laughs) like be so down on yourself or whatever. Yeah. So Baz and Simon, uh, just skipping ahead a little bit. Yeah, keep going. They, while Baz is away, this is during the autumn uh, equinox. I thought this concept was really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, I loved it. It's like kind of based on the wheel of the year yeah. and stuff. Autumn equinox, the the veil between the living and the dead starts to thin out. And then on Samhain or Halloween, the veil is lifted. And in this, again, I keep talking about like this magical universe because that way we don't get like because there are some things where it's obviously Harry Potter and, and some things yeah. that are Rainbow's creation. So in her universe, you have what are called visitings, which is when a ghost can come back to um, the land of the living because the veil is lifted and pass along a message. And a lot of the messages, like, so not, I guess it takes a lot of, like, energy for the spirit to cross over. So there's, like, a theory that the more... Um, 
kind of justice base your message is, the uh, more likely you are able to cross over. So like if you were murdered and you're trying to tell your like family or friends or whomever, like who it was that murdered you, the likelihood of you crossing back over to deliver that message is higher because it will then allow you to be at peace. So there's like this really weird sense of justice, but, but they also talk about like the ghosts don't just get to walk around. They have to like show up where that person is like, quote unquote, supposed to be. I think this is one of the cool parts Mm -hmm. of it is that the ghost doesn't know where the person is. Like the ghosts will show up in a place they think the person should be. Right. While Baz, while he's kidnapped, he's not in his dorm room. His mother, she was the old headmistress of the school. Murdered by vampires. She was murdered by vampires. She, She returns and she's looking for Baz in the dorm room that he and Simon share. And Baz is not there. So she comes several times and she can't find Baz. And so basically she kind of looks at Simon and she's like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to tell you because I can't cut, like, I'm not, I can't keep coming back. I can't come back again. Yeah. She tells Simon to look for Nicodemus. My murderer lives. Find Nicodemus. He knows. And then she disappears, which is like super confusing because when the nursery was attacked, she realized what was happening, went in, murdered some vampires real good. And she and killed all the vampires. She Yeah, she killed all of them. And then yeah. um, and then she, she died. To skip forward a little bit, this is kind of what brings them all together, is that he tells Baz, and Baz is like, you need to help me solve this now. I can't remember why he demands that... He, uh, that Simon helped. I think actually I think actually Simon says I will help you I think it's like the other way around where like Simon says I'm gonna help you because they killed your mom and that's not right right and then Baz demands like that loyalty yes it like comes up a couple times he's like you promised you have to follow through yes and so and then <sighs> Penny is Penny is involved as well because she's like she's a down bitch that's why yeah because she's Hermione <laughs> and they wouldn't be able to do it without her yeah right and so they, she's got the research. They kind of start on this like adventure where, where they kind of low key hate each other, but they, you know, obviously end up um, smooching. So smooching. Yeah. And so they kind of find out they they track down Nicodemus, who it has, mm-hmm. who was a wizard who voluntarily decided to be a vampire, and he definitely regrets. Which is like it. a huge no no. Yeah. Yeah. No one's ever done that because he basically he can't have his magical powers if he's a vampire. So he traded in his vampire, his magical powers, which all of them are so precious about. And he was super powerful, but he's like, no, he traded in for immortal life, eternal life. Um, and he's not, he's not happy with his decision, to be honest. Well, you learn too that because of his like betrayal, and I think because of the attack on the school, his wand was snapped, so he couldn't do magic, and then his eye teeth were right. Pulled. His his so he can't canines. Yeah, so he can't bite like a vampire would, and he also can't do magic anymore. So he's, like, this really, like, impotent figure. Yeah. Yeah. And He just kind of sacrificed everything and then ended up with nothing. Yeah. Initially, he won't tell them who did it, um, but his sister is still alive, and let's talk about Eb real fast. Eb is for Ebenezer. She is... She's like a goat herd on the Watford campus, kind of like Hagrid. She's but, yeah. Hagrid. But she's yeah. super powerful and yeah. like 
I couldn't figure out if she was supposed to be trans or if she was a lesbian. Because her name is Ebenezer, and everyone... Ebenezer. What? It, I think it does end with an A. Oh, it does. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's like Ebenezer. So and she, like, everyone treats her like a pariah, yeah. except for Simon, who is her friend. Um, and I think she, whatever it is, she, she prefers her life alone with her goats, but nobody talks to her. And well, you learn it's because she has a twip brother. Yeah, who yeah. who's decided Nicodemus. to be a vampire. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. so that's like one of the big reveals where it's like Eb, kind of. I think, I think she got some of that like shade cast yeah, onto her stigma of her brother. Yeah, and the and family. Also, right, and but like, but also her being really powerful, and then being kind of unanchored. By losing her brother, I think made her kind of unstable. I think that I think the implication was that like, if we weren't like in a magical reality, she would have had like a mental breakdown. So Mistress Pitch comes to her and basically says like, "Yeah, you are really powerful, but like nobody's. You don't have to pick up any mantle that you don't want to do. Like you don't have to be powerful just for the sake of everybody else telling you you are. You can just stay here at the school." And kind of, so, um, like, different from Hagrid, who Dumbledore's like, you can stay here because there's really kind of nowhere else for you to go because you're a half-giant and you were expelled. Yeah. Um, her case, it's kind of like, it's it's given her this, like, option where it's like, you don't necessarily, you don't have to go back and live in the world with, like, normal people. You can just stay in school, or not in school, but at the school. And yeah. I think and live a really simple life. I think there's an interesting theme here that starts with Eb and kind of continues where it's like just because you have the capacity to be this like great person doesn't mean you have to be that person. Like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't just because you're strong doesn't mean you have to fight just because you're uh you know smart doesn't mean you have to use your brains. Like Yeah. Um and it's and it it's kind of comforting to to Eb to be in this position. I think partially because Mistress Pitch thought she was going to go join her brother and become a vamp and become a what's it called? Yeah, vampire. Yeah. <laughs> and become a vampire. Yes, yeah. Um so when Eb is uh imprisoned, not that's not the word, arrested, arrested by the mage at a, like kind of the the apex of the novel, she's arrested. Um and Nicodemus is like, "Well, he messed with my sister, so I'll just tell you it was the mage who contracted these vampires to um, attack you. Kill the headmistress, yeah. Yeah, to kill the headmistress. And he did it because he wanted power. He wanted to take her spot. And he and she and her family were standing in the way. So <laughs> in this way, I think it's interesting that the, you, they kind of, you kind of feel for the pitches, even though they're kind of horrible people. Like, it gives them the Malfoys more depth, too, because, like, the same things were happening in, in the Harry Potter novels where the the ministry was raiding the Malfoy, Malfoy household and other households like it for magical artifacts. And it was told to us that they're, they're dark, you know, artifacts. But to look at it a different way, like, he's trying to take all of their power from them, all of the things that make them powerful. And so that's kind of the, the story in Rainbow Rowell's version is that the mage has is looking for the things that make them powerful to take it away from them to use it for himself it's not necessarily a good thing where he's fighting for i mean he is fighting for like 
social equality amongst the like wizards but again he's obsessed with power and he's obsessed with bringing forth because there's all these prophecies that he becomes obsessed with about like the greatest threat and the greatest mage so he becomes like convinced that he's he's the apex of this he's like the crux of this prophecy so it's not even like like if we if we look at our world today like as it stands it's like yeah if we actually want things to change we are going to have to completely tear down everything in our government and society and justice system and just because it's all built on like white privilege right so we would have to like kind of pull everything down and strip people who were in power of the things that make them powerful but then the point is that then you give it to the people who've been oppressed by that and the mage is just using it for himself and using it to fulfill what he believes is everyone's destiny. So yeah. he's really just kind of taken away the wizard. Yeah. He's, he's trying to take away everybody's choice because he believes in this prophecy so much. And I feel like that is a point where, like, the mage really does diverge from Albus. Because talking about, like, prophecy and thinking that he's, like, the crux of this. And he's the one that's going to make all this stuff happen. Whereas when we get to that point in the whole Harry Potter saga... Albus is very, like, he, it's the only time you really ever see him through a fit. Dumbledore is like, Harry, you need to understand this. The prophecy is only powerful because Voldemort is giving it the power. And if you don't pay attention to this, and if you don't put stock in this, then it doesn't matter. And oh, by the way, there's a whole other kid that this could apply to. Like, this isn't just one person or one thing. And the reason that this is so powerful is because... This guy that thinks that he's the most powerful creature and wants to be that and wants that so badly, like more than anything else, is going to continue to stalk you and do all of this stuff where if you just gave up or gave in or didn't fight back, like maybe he would be able to achieve that. But it's not about it's not about that. It's more about like your willingness to understand that it isn't about you. Like, you're important, but only because, like, all of these other power structures are making it so. Yeah. Yeah, and you're not alone. Right. Like, because yes. that's, like, it's the not myth just of the you. chosen one. Yes, yeah. exactly. Archetype, where it's, like, this is the only person that can save us. And nine times right. out of ten, uh, that's not the case at all. And the chosen one would never have survived if it wasn't for, like, the people around them yes. helping them. and The network that all the people that have died in front of Harry and, like, protected him and all. Yeah. They're Hermione's yeah. out there doing your homework. I, I think uh, it's interesting that Bazin and Simon kind of, like, figure out that they love each other and it's very cute. But part of yeah. the reason that Simon likes Baz so much is that he doesn't think that he's the chosen one. He doesn't think that Simon is the chosen one. Yeah. And he continually tells him, you're not the chosen one. Stop, you know, and like kind of, and it's a little bit in a, like a denigrating way, but it's also like, he doesn't think that I have to save the world. Like he will love me even if I don't save the world because I'm not the chosen one. And like, that's a huge thing with Simon's note is that he, he has all this pressure on him. And when you meet him, he's just like, confined in a box and like down on he just hates his life because he's in this continuous cycle of like trying to save the world and getting into bigger and bigger scrapes with this big bad you know that's hovering around basically so let's talk about that i mean 
There are things in between. Um, I did want to talk about something real fast. Right, the prophecies. So, so oh, yeah. the mage is really into this prophecy, and it's very much a Star Wars situation where, like, we'll bring you'll bring fa- balance to the Force doesn't mean what you think it means. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, he, basically, the prophecy is that there will be one mage that tries to tear down their whole civilization, and another another mage who will stop them. The mage in the story, Davy, thinks that he is the one that's going to stop. He first thinks that the child that he has with this poor woman who's dead um, yeah. is going to be the mage that stops Lucy, the big bad. But as it turns out, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where, like, the mage is actually the big bad. And yeah. Simon is the one who's going to stop him. Or wait, who was it who stopped him? I think Simon does accidentally kill him. Yeah. But accidentally. And then... Right. Simon shows up at the point where Eb has been murdered by the mage and is like, what the shit? It's so sad because Simon is so blinded by the mage that so like the mage stabs Eb and then Mm -hmm. is like singing um, Bohemian Rhapsody, which apparently is a spell to kind of take her power. Dang. Yeah. And, And Simon is so blinded by his like just... He's blinded by his blind trust, is what yeah, I was going to say. his blind yeah. trust in the mage and, and... That he thinks he's trying to save her. Yeah. So Simon runs up and he's like, sorry to interrupt your spell. No, no, save her. Like, keep doing what you're doing to save her. Because he's just assuming that the that mage... That that's what he's doing. That that's what he's doing. That the mage didn't actually murder her, but found her this way and he's trying to save her. Um, which is like heartbreaking. Like, dumb, dumb. He's a dumb, dumb. I felt so sad he's that that was dumb. one of those, like... Really bad moments. Yeah, it is really, it's heart-wrenching. And, like, because he really, he he trusts in so little in this world. He has his friends, and he has the mage who directs him. He knows that he's a weapon, and he's not the thinking one. So he's like, I will carry out your vision, because you're right, and you're, he's, like, the highest power. And now this highest power has just decided to betray him, basically, and kill his friend. And he's like, ah. I don't know what to do. This is like a huge cognitive dissonance situation. And it sucks. And he ends up killing the mage. But before he kills the mage, he he does um, he does kind of finish off the humdrum. And going back to how Simon is, right, like he, he's intellectually not there. He's a dum-dum. <laughs> he's a dum-dum. He's, he's a, a dum-dum. Uh, he, but, but talking about like his emotional intuitiveness... There's a reason that he looks like Ron Weasley on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the looks of Ron Weasley and the, the sword of Gryffindor. <laughs> they're, they're having a conversation. Him and Baz and Penny, I believe, are having this conversation about like, well, what does the humdrum want? It's like a hole. It's like a hole. And it's, you know, yeah. just like sucking everything out. And so Baz poses the question, well, what does a hole want to do? Like, what does a hole want and Simon says to be filled. And then Baz is like, no, you idiot. It wants to get bigger. Yeah. And yeah. then um, in the end, when Simon and the humdrum have their face off, Simon realizes that he was right all along. So the humdrum has taken the appearance of 11 year old Simon, which is everybody's like, what the fuck? Yeah. That's so crazy <laughs> and awful. So what you learn is that Simon's magic, the magic, I guess, that was 
kind of created by his conception. Yeah, his dad's is, rosemary baby situation. Yeah, yeah. is makes him both the greatest threat and the greatest like savior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the way that he defeats the humdrum is that he basically pours all of his magic into the humdrum. So the humdrum is the result of Simon's explosions, like his quote unquote going off, yeah. where he just like blasts out a ton of magic. It's so much and it's so wild, if you will, that magic itself, it just as opposed to like other wizards who kind of siphon off what they need in like a reasonable amount, he just takes a shit ton of it and leaves a hole. So the humdrum is like this anthropomorphic manifestation of Simon's. Yeah. Simon literally ripping these holes in magic when he explodes and why it chose to look like him as an 11 year old, I guess is because that was like when he first went to the school and like, started using magic so simon pours his magic into his 11 year old humdrum self and then it's kind of like oh cool i'm full now i guess and goes away yeah and it's just like as easy as that and it's it seemed very anticlimactic but yeah i definitely understand the metaphor yeah interesting it's a very like the thing we fear the most is ourselves kind of situation and obviously every everybody is like real pissed off at Simon for causing these holes that still exist even though the humdrum is gone and in order to get away doesn't he he sprouts wings again doesn't he in order to get away or it just because Well that's when he that's when he and Baz are the so when he and Baz have this like intimate moment in the forest near Baz's house and um Baz had gone out to the forest to hunt for, like, animals to drink Mm -hmm. blood from. And the humdrum showed up and used... So we were talking about how the humdrum can kind of put dark creatures under its thrall and use them to attack Simon. The humdrum encountered Baz while he was out doing his hunting thing. And because Baz is a vampire, uh, used Baz to attack Simon. And I guess... I can't remember now... Oh, it it was the same thing. It was like, so the humdrum went, its thrall basically is it puts its emptiness into a creature. And that creature, because it's empty and it's like searching for magic, immediately goes to the strongest, most powerful source of magic, which is Simon. Um, So Simon figured out that he's able to pass some of his magic to Baz, and that's part of the reason why they love each other so much. Because they have this, like, molecular level. That's the part of the book that I hope went, like, over the 12-year-old stepson's heads. (laughs) Like, this is actually a sex scene, but it's just two guys sharing magic in a bedroom. It's cool. It's cool. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Nothing Don't worry about it. Yeah. Wait, what? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so so Simon's able, so the humdrum puts the emptiness inside Baz, and then Simon's able to like counteract that by like filling him with love, i.e. Simon magic, i.e. sperm maybe, <laughs> and um, maybe. and so the, and so so then because of that action, it tears a hole again in the atmosphere, and that's when Baz is like, 
oh shit, you're the humdrum and you have to get out of here because now we like you did this and my family's going to be really pissed. So Simon flees and then makes himself grow. He, he makes himself grow wings and a tail because he was thinking about the dragon when he cast his like flying spell. And, and so that's, that's why he never gets rid of those. Yeah. So he still has them at the end. Right. And the last yeah. time he had wings, she was like nonsense and got the wings to go away. But then she, a penny tries it again and it's just like, it doesn't work. So yeah. at the end he is a normal with, with bat wings, red bat wings and a tail. dragon wings and a tail. So yeah. So just to kind of clarify the timeline, cause we were talking about it a little out of order. So Simon shows up and the mage has murdered Eb and Simon doesn't realize it yet. Uh, and then he confronts the humdrum and defeats the humdrum, but like, loses all his like magic and then the mage is like no that should have been my power and so in that kerfuffle simon ends up killing the mage and not it, intentionally but yeah right and it's very interesting because the mage doesn't care that the problem is solved he cares that the power is gone is gone yes. you know um so he deserved it in my opinion and it was really cool because penny and baz are there with that final confrontation and when they do the whole um investigation into the murder of the mage because he's still like the head of the coven and stuff you learn that like simon and penny were on they were the ones being investigated because penny cast the spell called simon says and then simon said i think he just simon because of his magic is able to like he said imbue words with magic that wouldn't necessarily be magical and he said to get away from me don't hurt me anymore, or something like he that. He said, like, you need to stop, I think. Yeah, like... Something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like, stop, stop hurting, or, like, stop hurting me, I think. Yeah. And that, and then the mage dies from that, because that clearly kind of defines his intentions for Simon, that he was going to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. But then, and, like, Penny was being investigated, because when she said Simon says, her magic, like, amplified... Yeah. Simon, Simon's- like... It's interesting yeah. that that was the first time that spell came up because that seems like it would be a really potent spell. Simon says, and right? his name is Simon. Like, why wouldn't he be using that all the time? Right. Simon Especially says, somebody... "Run away." Well, because know. he's a dum dum, and Penelope knows what's up. Yeah, yeah, he's a dumb so dumb. she knows not to do that. Because, <laughs> like, if it were me in that situation, I feel like I I would be using it like. Man, I have such a, time, a hard time with this spell. But if you perfect Simon Says, then you'd be like, Simon Says, float clean in the up air. the bath. It float in the air. Yeah. Then it would work, right? Like, yeah. what do you think? Oh, man. See, Simon yeah. is a dum-dum. And not for many reasons, <laughs> but mostly for that. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah. But I like the end scene where they're they're basically at prom. And um, <laughs> they're, like, dancing together. And, and they're, like... Or what is his name? Baz is like, everyone's going to see. And Simon's like, let them see. And they're like making out on the dance floor. It's so great. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. They totally, they totally embrace their, oh, which is another thing that I was like, really, I kind of loved. So when Simon and Baz like kiss for the first time, there is. In the preceding chapters, there's some discussion because Simon's basically like, oh, I want to kiss a boy. Am I gay? Like, yeah. I thought then, I thought that was really interesting because 
he he is like a jock dude, right? And he he has these feelings about Baz, and he's like, I want to kiss him. Am I gay? And like he doesn't answer that question for himself. He's just like, I don't know, and like moves on with his That's life, fine. which I really appreciated. He does kind of have like a crisis, but it's it's not like I uh, and I hate myself crisis. It's like, am I gay? Well, and then you have Baz. Like they talk about it briefly. And Baz is like, oh, yeah, totally, I'm queer. Like, yeah. And like, yeah. He, he says that. He's like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. And his dad is not cool with it, him being gay. And there's there's a funny scene where um, they're all coming over to Baz's house to solve this mystery. And his dad is super excited to see two women come over, two girls come over to his house, that he's, like, embarrassingly nice to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, like... like right. It's, like, sadly relatable, I'm sure, for a lot of, like, gay kids out in the world where, like, their parents are just, like, you're, like, this is just my friend Carol, Mom. And she's, like, I love Carol. (laughs) Or whatever. I don't know why I picked Carol. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure that really resonated. Yeah. 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 I I liked their relationship a lot in that it wasn't too mushy, but it also, like, they really fit together, you know? It was yeah. it was cute because they he like Baz has this analytical mind and he's also like really cutting and mean and uh, Simon can take a lot of insults because he doesn't care he's dumb as a rock and also has a really high emotional intelligence so it doesn't bother him because he knows you know what's going on in in reality so yeah it's very cute Kate what did you think about like their relationship. Like, that that whole piece of it. Because I feel like that's kind of why... Well, actually, I shouldn't speak for you, but that's kind of why I read the book. And I remember when you and I were talking, I was like, it's Harry Potter, Draco, like, slash, we have to read this. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't yeah. know if that was actually the draw for you. And if... I mean, but regardless... Well, I mean, anything that's yeah. even tangentially related to Harry Potter, I want to consume, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just thought it was weird... Or not weird, interesting that... Um, Baz knows all of this stuff and he's going to try to sort of control it to the best of his ability but he also knows that Simon is like easily manipulated and even if Simon doesn't feel the same way he's probably going to get what he wants but he doesn't want that like he wants he wants Simon to want him for him which I think is I think that's relatable in a lot of ways even if you're not queer just in that like oh, God, I hate this person so much, but, oh, it's because I love them so much. And, like, I've, yeah, like, I like you so much. I talk to everyone but you. Yeah. All of that. Um, But at the same time, yeah, just, like, I think think it is a little bit two sides of the same coin because, like, yeah, when I was a teenager, I was like, oh, yeah, for sure, I'm gay. It's fine. I I know this, and I don't need to tell anybody, and I don't need anybody else's acknowledgement for that. And, like, yeah, I mean, sure, I want a relationship, but, like, that... It, was, it wasn't a question. It wasn't a huge struggle for me in that same way that I feel like Baz is kind of like, I know this about myself. This is fine. I'm fine yeah. with this. And, like, I'm not necessarily going to broadcast this, but there are other things about me that I don't want people to know more. Like, <laughs> like I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm a vampire. <laughs> I was like, um, yeah, Kate. Um... <laughs> yeah. So there's that, um, wh- which is kind of an interesting analog for that, too. It's like mm. Baz is more concerned about that than he is about being gay yeah and i think that's kind of a lot of 
where the other half of that is where like Simon doesn't care. It's not like Simon doesn't care. It's just like, it's something that didn't, it occurs to him, but it doesn't occur to him. Like it just yeah. sort of happens to him. And then it's just like, Oh, okay. But it's more about the person that he's with than like the actual, like in and of himself, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's sort of an interesting dichotomy of the two or, uh, well, maybe yeah. even three ways. Cause again, with Baz and his, like, I'm a vampire. This is the thing that I have to hide the most. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It's, Which I kind of like that as well. Where yeah. it's like being gay isn't like, that's the not the scariest. big stigmatizing thing. Yeah. Yeah. The scariest part. It's like, you get the sense that his dad is kind of like, not like, I, you know, his dad obviously isn't. Um, you know, he hasn't like ostracized his son for being gay, but he's like his dis his disapproval, which feels kind of too strong to say that, but like his his dad's avoidance. disapproval or avoidance of him being gay has more to do with the fact going back to that whole like old families concerns with like keeping magic, producing children, producing yes, heirs, yeah. and keeping magic yeah. going. So like Baz even says it's like, well, I could. You know, I could marry I could this person if and I have a kid. Exactly. It's like, I could have a baby with somebody, whatever. I mean, you know, you, you kind of get the idea that he's like, again, kind of goes back to the like, well, yeah, I could make a baby with a woman and that would be fine. And then everybody would kind of get what they want. But like, I wouldn't want to like be with her. And also I'm a vampire, so I don't think I can even right, have yeah. babies anymore. So again, the thing that's most important to hide is his vampirism. Yeah. And not his sexuality. Yeah. yeah. I, I also like that in the beginning, like when you first meet Penny, she's up in, in Simon's room and Baz isn't there. And they're alone and like she's not supposed to be there because it's a boys dormitory. And like the way that Rainbow Rowell, this is like her surgical accuracy here. She like starts describing Penny like it is fan fiction. Like her skirt is hiked up. You can see the swell of her butt and her long shapely legs and like really implying that something is going to happen between the two of them. And then, uh, and he's like staring down at her and he's just like, are we going or what? <laughs> like yeah, that right. whole scene just ends in him being like, let's go. What are we doing? We're good. <laughs> yeah. And it's so much. Sure Penny. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Penny. Put your pants back on. No, it's just like, it's really, it's very good. Cause like the first time I read it, uh, I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. I did know that they were gay for each other, but I was like, oh, is this like a love triangle situation? And then he's like, let's go, Penny. It's time to leave. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. I mean, so, That's so it. in the, yeah. So in the end, Baz and Simon are together and they're open um, about their relationship, but they decide not to live together because they've been living together for the last seven years at yeah, school. Yeah, that's right. Need some alone time. And so, uh, what is it? Simon and Penny have a flat in London, I think. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. I don't, I'm sure that Baz has one. And Agatha, I like that Agatha, she just like fucked off to California and she's living yeah. a California life, a non-magical California life. And she's like, this is the best. I, she even left her wand back in England, which I thought was really telling. Like they can't do spells without their wands. And she's just like, yeah, I love I'm good. That. Yeah. You don't have to live that life that you were you were begotten into and groomed for, girl. Yeah. You don't have to. I think that's a huge theme is that, like... You go be Laura like Gilmore. 
M doesn't have to be, you know, a huge, you know, great wizard. And Simon Snow doesn't have to be the chosen one. And Agatha doesn't have to be this, like, scion of her family if she doesn't want to. So it's a really good book. And you guys should check it out. And we're all going to go read the other book and not tell Matt about it. Yes. Because he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't appreciate it. Um, Okay. This is uh, episode two of Potter Watch. Um, Let's, uh. I don't know how to end this. Well, I think we should end it by saying, hey, Rainbow, thank you for giving us the Harry Potter Draco slash of our dreams. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, you killed really, it, girl. She did I didn't so even good. know I wanted that. Yeah. I wanted some with Hermione, but this was okay. This was sufficient. I love this book so much that when I, I bought it, I think I bought it, uh, I read it. And then I instantly gave it to a friend who really liked Harry Potter. And I was like, I want to keep this book, but I want you to read it more. And so I gave it. To, I don't think she <laughs> it read it, It's more important actually. to, like, pass it on. Yeah. But um, I was just like, I need to talk to somebody else about this book. So yeah. I, I told Kate um, when, I, when I was, like, getting to the end. Because it took me, like, this is how good this book is, you guys. It really only took me, like two days and it's a long book it's a long book yeah it is yeah i have a one and a half year old so like the fact that i was able to dedicate that much time i literally was just like the baby's napping i'm gonna read it was so good um i was like getting towards to the end of it and i texted one of my friends and i was like i think that you would really love this book i think actually i started with this where i was like hey abby I don't know if we've ever actually, like, talked about how much we love Harry Potter. We've covered that, right? And she's like, absolutely. And I was like, you should read this book. And then Abby, like, turns around and just does, like, girl, let me tell you. She'd already read it. (laughs) She loves Rainbow Rowell. She's like, you have to read Fangirl. And, like, starts listing off these other books that she has. And I was like, shout out to Abby because she does listen to this podcast. And I love you so much. And you are a good, you are a good person. You are a really good friend. And... Maybe you should join us for the next uh, Harry Potter watch. I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. I feel but, like we should read the next book and yeah, report yeah. back. But it just really solidified that kind of like, like you were saying, Emily's like good literature like must be shared. And it's also like really amazing when you're like, I think this person would love that. And then they're like, oh, I do love that. And you're like, you just confirmed how awesome I thought you already were. <laughs> and also how this book doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like it. If yeah. you just read it by itself, I think half of the the meaningful situations that were happening wouldn't be there because it wouldn't it exists in like reflection with Harry Potter, like yeah. you know, and yeah. Anyway, I'll and there's a lot of jokes that about it. yeah, there's yeah, a like, lot of jokes. Like wouldn't. one of the jokes is like Eb is the goat herd. Like Aberforth was like was, Aberforth. Yeah, the joke was that he fucked goats. Basically, <laughs> that was the joke. It's an illiterate goat fucker. Yeah, <laughs> and and so was Eb. So well, Eb probably not, but yeah, um, yeah. So and then the also another joke was that like you have to meet your your one true love at this high school or else you'll die alone. Die alone. Die alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, keep it secret. Keep it safe. Um, <laughs> totally lord of the rings uh don't be a mat you dopes yes don't feel hey i can tell by your face that you feel bad about saying that and you should not no i love matt though I, he's a good we person. all love matt he just doesn't understand <laughs> <laughs> and keep telling your stories